We're starting a brand new series this week as we go into January all about, well, how can we have that deep faith, that lifelong walk with Jesus? Uh, We're calling this new series In Him. Uh, It's all about Jesus, which I think is a pretty good subject to have a sermon series on. (laughs) Um, In January, I have an experience of, of dreaming and thinking and planning. What, what will my year look like? Uh, wh- who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? Uh, what things do I want to see? Uh, but oftentimes in January, many of us also feel stuck, you know, because dreaming is the easy part. You know, having an idea of, oh, I'd like to do this this year. That's the easy part. The hard part is, well, what do I have to do in order to get there? You know, and even, even knowing what those steps are going to be. For example, uh, one thing I think I would like to do in 2023 is be more in shape. Uh, Not this shape. (laughs) No, I mean like healthy, uh, like cardiovascular health. I really do not do anything that requires my heart to pump more oxygen to my body. And it feels like, you know what, just a few, like two times a week, that would be ideal. So what I did is uh, earlier this week, I picked out one of those home workout videos that you know that you can watch like on YouTube. And then I I did like a beginner one because I'm like, look, I just got to start where I can actually do it. And it was great. It was like jumping jacks and sit-ups. It was like 12 minutes, right? So I made it, but I was so sore. One of the exercises was called the oops, I forgot my dog. And literally you go like this and you pick up your dog. Ah, it still hurts. Now look, I'm telling you, it was like all these basic lunges where you're just like moving side to side. The next couple days, I was like screaming in pain, just like getting down to like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So what I did yesterday, yesterday, I say, okay, this time I need an upper body workout, you know, because this, this lower body, I, I don't know, maybe I just, I, obviously I don't have a dog, right? So I've never picked up my dog. So that, that's why it's, it's bad. Well, I do this upper body workout. I click beginner, right? Because I was like the beginner one for the full body workout really wiped me out. Well, the, the beginner upper body workout, no lie, was like, no, I don't know, a bunch of lunges while you're like swinging your arms around. Like that was, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I can't use my legs. I was like doing the bridge like while being a sea anemone on the floor and stuff. You know, apparently I was trying to get my shoulder. I'm like, I just need like different kinds of push-ups. Like, I'm like, my legs are killing me. Now here's the thing. Uh, I made a big stink about it. You can ask Sherry if this, this is a true story. I was, <laughs> I was so frustrated because I needed an upper body workout, not a lower body workout. And this wasn't gonna work. This wasn't what I needed. Like, I'm, like let's be honest, I'm pretty particular about the kind of workout I'm gonna need. Like it's gotta fit my desire level for what I want. It's gotta get the right body parts. Like it's gotta be at my level. It's gotta fit within my time frame. And odds are, it's just I'm not gonna find that exact workout, workout video, workout series, whatever it is that I need. You know as well as I do that the longer it takes me to find the perfect workout, the more likely it is that I just say, okay, forget it. You know, I did two workouts this year. I don't know. I'll have to be good enough, you know? Now, I'm sure you can relate in some area of your life where you have an ideal. That's the easy part, dreaming about, well, I want to be this. I want to do this. The hard part is figuring out how to do it. But since we're here at church, let's ask that question on our spiritual life. What do you want your walk with Jesus to be? And again, that's the easy part, unfortunately. You know, like, oh, I'd I'd love to be close. You know, we tell these stories of Sue's life and we say, well, I would love to live a life of faith that just holds on, that, that no matter what I'm going through, I can say it is well with my soul, but actually mean it, you know, and 
we can dream about where we want to be, what we want it to look like, uh, but then we get stuck. How, how, do we, how do we get there, right? Like, do I need to do more things? Like, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because this will end up being a bad thing, um, <laughs> but how many of you have started like a Bible reading plan in January, started a year devotional in January, started a new habit, a new structure to your life where you're going to get up early and you're going to spend time with God only to ditch it after seven days, <laughs> six days, right? Like we've all been there and it's just like me and my little workout videos. The more that we try, you know, we get, get, jump into this community group. Ah, that really wasn't my community group. Or I'll try doing this. Ah, that really wasn't. I'll try reading every day. The more we go before we find this perfect way to build these spiritual habits to, to make our walk with Jesus the way we want it to be, uh, the more likely uh, we're just going to say, okay, I, you know what, my, my walk with Jesus is actually okay. <laughs> you know, I'll just take what we have. What we need is a direction. We need, okay, well, what should I do? Right? Like, like what, what, what are the steps that I need to take in order to have this walk with Jesus that I want? Uh, we're going to be going through uh, a book of the Bible. It's a letter to a church, an early church, uh, where Paul is writing to the church in Colossa, uh, Colossae, uh, the Colossians is, is the name of the book. That, that one's easier to pronounce. Um, and he is saying, uh, you guys are doing well, but there's a few things I'm concerned about, but what you really just need is to be pointed in the right direction. So here, let me give you those steps. Let me direct you where you need to go, and it'll all line up, and it helps for us as well. Uh, just a little spoiler alert, uh, that direction is Jesus. <laughs> and that's why we're calling the series In Him, as in our whole life needs to be in Him. Uh, we're going to read the first 14 verses. So if you've got your Bible, grab it. If you want to grab one from the tables, grab it. It'll be up on the screen so many different ways. Probably got an app on your phone. Colossians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Uh, we're going to focus on the second part, which I'm about to read. But what that first part tells us is a little bit of the background information about this church. Uh, this is a church who has heard the gospel message, heard who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Messiah, and they've accepted it readily. They said, yes, okay, we're in. You know, so Paul's not going to have to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the truth. He's not going to have to convince them that they should mold their lives around it. What Paul's going to be doing for the rest of the letter is saying, well, therefore, here's what it should look like. Here, here let, let me show you those steps. If you're in, if you really want to follow Jesus, and you do because I've heard about your love, you know, like it's, it, it's real, like you have this faith, well, here's what you need to do. And already, most of his letters, when he's writing to a church, start with a prayer. And in that prayer, uh, Paul oftentimes would hint at the key uh, emphases that he wants to put within the letter, and he does the same thing here 
uh, to the Colossians. See if you can hear where he's trying to point them, where he's trying to direct them. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, now, if I'm being honest, I get a little lost in there. There's a lot there. Uh, in, the, in the Greek, that's actually just two sentences, that 9 through 14, <laughs> the verses. Uh, Paul is kind of notorious for going down rabbit trails and, and, and when, oh, no, I really got to say this over here. He's, you know, he's like any good pastor, right? Where you're getting up and you're preaching, and you're like, well, that reminds me. Where was I? Uh, there's a lot there. But did you hear what is it that Paul is asking God to do? When he's saying, I'm praying, I'm asking God to do this for you. It's right there in verse 9. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. This is the core. This is the core of what Paul wants for the church of Colossae. He wants them to know God's will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So this isn't just the knowledge up here of God's will, like here I want you to be able to get the right answer on a test. He wants them to know it fully in their lives to be shaped around what God's will is. Uh, now when we hear God's will, we probably are thinking of something different than what Paul had in mind when he's writing God's will. Uh, in our culture, in our world, when we seek God's will, what we're probably doing is we want to know what, what God would have us do in a particular scenario or in a setting, uh, like if there's a big uh, decision that has to be made, you know, where to go to college, uh, what, what job should I accept, uh, where do I live, who do I marry? Uh, we say, I want to know God's will for my life. Um, or even kind of uh, bigger issues, you know, like what sort of occupation should I pursue? You know, like what, what kind of people should I be hanging out with? I want to know God's will. We view very much uh, God's will as like, what would Jesus do if he were in my shoes? Like in this particular scenario, as if God's will were a path in front of me, uh, God, show me what your will is. In Paul's mind, though, in Paul's mind, he has a much broader scope. So he's not thinking of each member of this church would know exactly what God wants them to do in whatever scenario is right in front of them. He's thinking, no, no, God's will is what he's doing in the world, like what he's been doing in the world throughout history, where he's taking the world, like where, where is human history going and then, yeah, how, how do we become a part of that? How do we belong in that? Where do we find our place? So when Paul's thinking God's will, he's saying, well, what is God doing in the world? And then how you can jump in along that and participate with him in it. Uh, that is difficult, right? Okay, how do we know God's will then? Like that's, that's an abstract concept, right? God's will, how do I know this further? And what, God, what does God do? Uh, Paul helps us with it. Even within this prayer, he's already hinted at what God is doing at the very end of what we read in verses, uh, the end of verse 12 through 14. Uh, he talks about this is of the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is talking about what God has done throughout human history. Uh, I, I just have to make this point. Well, here's my rabbit trail for the day. I think I have two of them planned. Huh, we'll see. <laughs> but this is sharing the gospel message, right? This is what God has done throughout the entire Old Testament. Our Advent series, we spent a ton of time in that boring genealogy in Matthew, and, and we particularly said that verse Matthew, chapter 1, 17, and there was these, these signposts in the ground that talked about these significant events in the history of Israel and how the Messiah, this anointed one who was to come, is Jesus, and he fulfills each one of those. The first one was Abraham, who talked about there being this people that were going to be set apart, blessed by God to bless others. And here's Paul saying that they are sharing in the inheritance of his holy people, hearkening back to the same thing we saw there. We also talk about this uh, being rescued from a dominion of darkness and being brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. That kingdom word is attached to the promises to David that we saw in the genealogy where, where God had said there will be an everlasting kingdom and one of my descendants who ultimately is Jesus will forever reign on that throne. And then the last piece is exile. And you see here that being rescued from a dominion of darkness and having redemption, the forgiveness of sins, is the response to answer to the experience of exile. Paul is telling the story that Matthew is telling, that the Old Testament is telling. If you're struggling to believe whether or not the Bible is just a bunch of reflections by a dozen people about how we can understand God, uh, perhaps you will see more that it is one unified book all telling the exact same story, and it's all connected together. This is what God is doing in the world. And it's all these people from different times and cultures that are talking about here. Here's the trajectory of history. So that's what Paul's saying. This is God's will, the gospel message, the, the good news. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all these things. There's an inheritance. There's a kingdom. There's an answer to our suffering that we have. This is what we have in Christ. And he also had it uh, earlier on in the passage as well, where he talks about uh, this gospel message being moving uh, throughout the world. Um, in Colossians 1.6, he says, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. What Paul is saying is that this motion, this movement of all of human history that culminated in this Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, it's going further now. So you're a part of it, Colossian Church. This isn't just about you and how you can make the most of what God is doing or how you can discern God's will or receive his blessings. No, you're just a part of this wave that's going across the whole entire world. That's God's will. That's what God is doing in the world. That's according to Paul. It's, it's this gospel message, this good news of who Jesus is that is changing lives everywhere. God's will is for the gospel to be known on this side of Jesus, is, is that people would know the gospel. And not just know in terms of, hey, what's the gospel? Raise your hand. Yep, you're right. Here, have a candy. But, but the kind of know where it's with all the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit, right? Where it, it, it sinks into our lives, where we now order our lives around this gospel knowledge. And again, I think this is where I get stuck. I say, that sounds great. Yeah, I, okay, I want that in my life, right? That my life would reflect the gospel in deep ways that are not just intellectual ways, but in all the ways that I'm thinking about my life, my attitude, and my decisions. Uh, but we say, uh, how? 
Like, well, what do I do in order to have this gospel in my life, in order to follow and pursue God's will? And luckily, Paul describes it for us. That was that other part of the passage uh, that we went over. He says, after he says, I pray that you would know God's will, he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Um, here's my other rabbit. I'm taking it. I'm taking the exit. All right. So have you guys ever wondered why pastors call it like a walk with Jesus? Like you've heard that expression, right? Or like as a pastor ever asked you, like, how's your walk going? And you're like, I'm not in physical therapy. Like, what do you mean? No, what they mean is like, how is your life with God? You know, and why do we always use this walking metaphor, like walk with Jesus, walk with God? I've tried to use it a few times in the introduction. Uh, the reason is that's what's actually written uh, in the Bible. So the, the word for live a life is the word for walking. Um, so, so some of your versions, if you have like the NASB or the King James Version, it, would, it might translate it so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, so it, pastors aren't trying to be creative or finding new fun ways of asking you about your spiritual life. Uh, they're really just using the example that the, uh, that the text provides in many different areas. It's just using this word walk uh, to, as a metaphor for living a life. Cool, fun. All right, back on the highway. What does this life look like? That's where Paul goes next. There's four ways that he highlights this is what that life, a life worthy of God, a life pleasing to God looks like. One, bearing fruit in every good work. Two, growing in the knowledge of God. Three, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And four, giving joyful thanks to the Father. We're left with these four things. Bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, strengthening for endurance, and giving joyful thanks. Uh, we can look at each one uh, and see, uh, are our lives reflective of this? Because if we truly have the gospel known, uh, not just known, but sunk all the way deep down in us, this is what our life will look like, bearing fruit uh, of good works. These are uh, acts of goodness, <laughs> being good, not just uh, choosing the right thing. Uh, this isn't just integrity, but this is uh, like benefiting others. This is like loving others for their benefit. Uh, the fruit that we're talking about here is not just uh, blessings that we receive from a good life where we enjoy the fruit, but rather these are fruits for other people. So it's loving others where they can enjoy fruit. And it's also fruit that other people can see comes from God. Um, I'm reminded of when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the kind of fruit from good works that we're talking about, where we are living our lives in ways where people notice, wow, you do a lot of good. Like, do people think in their head, like, what, what do you think? Like, that guy follows Jesus, and wow, look at what he's done to him, <laughs> right? Like, look at what God has done to this guy or to this gal, you know, because of all this fruit that's coming, all of this goodness that's coming out of them. Uh, I have a question later on. We can explore maybe what that looks like in your life. The next one talks about growing in knowledge. And here I want to share a point because I think Paul is trying to say something in between the lines. Uh, for one, so here's the verse, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Can you even read that? That looked a whole lot more pink and less red on my screen. Anyway, you got your Bibles if you need it. I'm not, I'm not changing the words, I promise you. 
uh, that growing word uh, that's highlighted last. Um, again, if you had an NASB or a King James Version, uh, it, it, would, it might say increasing, uh, which is a Greek word for increasing. The NIV tries to make things sound a little bit better, so you wouldn't really say increasing in the knowledge. It's growing in the knowledge sounds better. But this bearing fruit and increasing is a theme that Paul wants us to be reminded of. Does it remind you of anything? Well, for one, just a few verses back, he said the exact same thing. Again, Colossians 1, 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. It's that same word that can also be translated increasing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul wants to make a point of bearing fruit and increasing. Bearing fruit and increasing. Because those two concepts together are significant in the Bible. Does it remind anyone of anything? Super important. The very first thing that God says to humanity when he creates them is this. I'm I'm talking all the way back, first page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this passage comes after the let there be light. God creates the light and then creates the land and the sea and the animals, populates everything, the plants. And then lastly, he creates humans, places his own image onto humanity. And then he says this to them, be fruitful and increase. Paul wants us to hear and remember this is God's commission in the world. When we talk about what is God doing in the world and how do we fit within it, what's God's will? Well, the original God's will, I've created humanity. Here's what you need to do. Expand, increase, have children. You, I've given you this earth. You will care for it. You will cultivate it. Uh, you are above it, right? So you rule it. It doesn't rule you, but you need to take care of it. Go. That was the commission to God. What Paul is saying in Colossians is that the That be fruitful and increase is still very much there, but also takes on a new meaning on this side of Jesus. The be fruitful and the increase is be fruitful with your actions. Let your love abound and may other people see this fruit that is growing inside of you, your life that has been changed. And may the increase be in your knowledge and understanding of God. May you know him more deeply in your life. He wants us to see that there is a a mandate here that's coming from this life, not just hey, these are good things, but rather this, this is how you participate in God's will. All right, the next one, strengthening for endurance. We have to take time here because Paul does. So it's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Uh, again, it's not being strengthened uh, with whatever you can muster uh, or however many, whoops, forgot the dogs ah, that you can do. Uh, no, this is a, with all power according to... How many times a week you go to work out? No, according to his glorious might. Okay, I think, is there anything in this world that would be more powerful than, than this? Like than what Paul's trying to say, right? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Is there anything that would have more power than that? Probably not. What would you do with infinite power? Infinite power. You could do anything, Right? Like nothing would oppose you. I mean, there, there's many different options on the table here, right? So you could go within our, our current power structures that we have and you'd say, well, I'd fix them, right? You know, I'd, I'd make laws that line up everything according to God's plan so that there would be blessings. Uh, or you'd say that there's injustices in the world, uh, there's inequalities in the world, and we're going to balance these out. I mean, if there's nothing holding us back, then let's, let's make things good. Let's make things reflect God's design. And probably 
take vacations or whatever, whatever you would want to do. We'd, we'd use our power for our own pleasure in some sense as well. But what does Paul say the power is for? So that you may have great endurance and patience. Wow, that was low on my list. <laughs> yeah, I'll use infinite power in order that I might have patience. And yet that is the kind of strength that this life has of the gospel. See, we don't live in a perfect world. There are trials, there are ups, there are downs. But we will have a strength that keeps us going. Where we hold on to God, we don't let go. We don't say, ah, you know what, good enough. No, there's strength in a life that truly knows the gospel that says, I'm here for the long haul. I know that even if God hasn't spoken yet, eventually he will have the last word. So I'm not letting go. That's the strength. And then lastly, giving joyful thanks. Not just living a life of gratitude, but being joyful in everything that God has done for us. We look at these four things and we say, okay, great. Thanks, Brad. I now know the four things I have to do with my life to line them up this year to get me to my spiritual goal so that I can walk that life that I dream of walking. I just need to bear more fruit. I'll do just more good, grow in knowledge. I'm going to read my Bible every day, strengthen for endurance. I'm really going to practice patience and not complaining and giving joyful thanks. I'm going to give gratitude. I'm going to thank God every single day. Thank you. You've got four things. Now let's go. That's the direction I needed. How is it? Right? Because you say, no, no, it was. I saw in the passage, Paul said, this is how you live a life that God's pleased with. And I want to live a life that God's pleased with. So if I can just do all these things, God will be pleased with me, right? I mean, yeah, it says that, but is that how Paul's presenting it? Is he saying, hey, church of Colossians, here's, I know you have faith, but here's what you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. If you do this, then it'll be pleasing to God. No, 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 no. Don't get this wrong. Don't get this wrong. Our minds want to go with how can I be productive? What can I do to earn this? What Paul said is that we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's his desire is that we would know God's will, but truly know it with all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. And then he describes, well, what does that look like? So that you might live this life. You know, that is pleasing to God. And here's what that life looks like. Those are just the signs that our lives are getting closer to truly understanding the gospel. But where do we point? Where do we direct? It's God's will. It, it's knowing what he's doing in the world. It's knowing the gospel. If this, is, if this is God's will for the gospel to be known, then how can I let the gospel be known in my life all the more? And yeah, we'll see those four things. You can test yourself. If you do one of those four things, how natural is it to you? You know, the, the more you are living of this gospel inside of you, that you understand it, the more it's going to come naturally. The more that God is changing you in order to bear fruit, in order to patiently endure, in order to give joyful thanks. So this is our question. How do we know the gospel more? How do we go further with it? All the classic things apply. Get yourself in a community that's also pursuing this. They'll hold you accountable. They'll encourage you. Read your Bible, pray, <laughs> spend time with God. All of those things that we know to do are ways of doing it, but not the thing itself. It's knowing God. Uh, we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting where every year, the first 21 days, the first three weeks, we set aside to give specific time to God to know him further. Uh, there's little journals on these tables. If you aren't doing it, pick one of those journals up. There's still 14 days left that you can participate and just 
Spend more time with God. Know him further. Allow the gospel to go deeper into your life. If you're going to be with us for 2023 this year, uh, you're going to be pushed. You're going to be encouraged. Uh, This is our desire as church leadership for our church is that we would know and understand God's will and the gospel. So we'll have reading plans. We'll have community groups that we encourage you to participate in. And all I can just encourage you is that go. Give God a chance. Point in this direction of knowing God further and allowing him to go deeper. Don't just be content with knowing him in your head. Don't just be content with what your walk looks like now. Choose to know him further and deeper. That's Paul's prayer for the Colossians, and that's my prayer for all of us here this morning as well. Here's some questions. We've got maybe time for one of these questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, But definitely talk about these or uh, think about them on your own. One, what do you want your walk with Jesus to look like? This is the easy part, but what do you want it to look like? What, what does an ideal, if we're honest, a lot of us probably say it's not where it needs to be, right? If a pastor just hits us cold with, how's your walk with Jesus? Oh, it's going well. I mean, he's not probably where it needs to be. Well, what do you mean? Like, what would it be? Number two, what are examples of bearing fruit in every good work? That was one of the descriptions that Paul says that this life of understanding God's will looks like. What, 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 what does that look like in your life? And then lastly, how do you grow in your understanding of God's will? Uh, Maybe it's different for different people, so feel free to ask others and get some suggestions. How do you grow, or how will you grow? What are some of those ideas? Um, I'll pray, and then maybe I'll give five minutes. uh, We we can discuss these questions around our table, and then I'll come up and dismiss us. But bow your head with me. Dear Lord, um, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for what we have to know you by. We thank you for how you've invited us into knowing your will. And we ask the same thing that Paul asked for the church, that we uh, would know your will, that you would fill us with knowledge of your will uh, according to the wisdom and understanding of your spirit. Lord, we pray that our lives uh, would be lived in a manner worthy of you, and we pray that our lives would be pleasing to you, that we would bear fruit in good works, that we would grow in our knowledge of you, we'd be strengthened to be able to endure the things in front of us, and that we'd give joyful thanks back to you. May, May this description of life, Lord, reflect ours, as we know you further and deeper in our lives. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.